Welcome on in to the High Hopes Podcast. Uh, I am Jack Fritz, and tonight, it's, it's a big night. Uh, we're, we're trying to get this guy's first break in the business. <laughs> trying to break him in. We'll see if he can ever stick in this business. It's Marshall Harris. I'm just so thankful to have this opportunity. Let me just tell you. Listen, every guest has to say that when they come on the iOS podcast. It's the most important Phillies podcast. I mean, I, I believe you. Only because I'm here, but I believe you. Thank you. That's, a, that's an official endorsement from Marshall Harris. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You, you heard it here first. He is officially endorsed the iOS podcast. This is pretty crazy. He also turned 40 this week. We're not going to say that because my version of Marshall Harris is still in his... My version of Marshall Harris is 35. 35? Mid-30s? Yeah. Give me that? Yeah. Hey, uh, no one is really carding me anymore, so I guess that means I'm a full-fledged adult. But at the same time, girls still do ask me at least once a week, oh, what school do you go to? So I'm cool. Nice. That's pretty good. good. That's pretty good work by you. uh, Black don't crack, and we're out here maintaining. Uh, So since you are 40 now, I would just assume that there was no way you were staying up for for these these Dodgers Phillies games this, you know, this week. It's funny because you texted me like, uh, "Could you come in for the podcast?" I was like, "Or just call in or whatever." I was like, "Yeah, I'll come by." And you're like, "Oh, really? You don't have to. You, I can just we can just do a phone call." I was like, "No, I'll be out watching the games." And you just seemed shocked by that. I think you're trying to prove a point. I think I think you're trying to be like, "Listen, I'm still young enough to do this." I'm trying to prove the point to this young this young cat that thinks he knows the, knows what it's cat. like to get old. Get You're old. the one who sounds old now, calling <laughs> yourself a young cat. No, I I tend to stay up for the Phillies games, especially. Um, the only thing that's old about me really is that every day I try to get my 10,000 steps in. That's oh, like a new. You. That's a new goal of mine to get my 10,000 steps in. I've done a pretty good job. And as you can tell, I lost my Fitbit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have. That. I didn't know you had one to begin with, but hey, if, you, if if losing it is the story you're gonna go with. I'm cool with it. I had a problem because, like, in in college, I wore it, and I was playing basketball every day, and like, I would get a really good workout in, and then I'd have at least like ten to fifteen beers when I got home. So, it completely just, you know, it was you terrible. just told me your whole story because they had invented Fitbits when you were in college. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college, we were just happy to have a gym to run around in. When you were in college, I mean, computers weren't around yet, right? Uh, no, we had it. Look at you. And it was past dial-up. It was so past like, dial-up? Yeah, yeah. Nice. The Facebook hadn't come out yet. Oh, okay. But, so no, we, like we were doing some things. Okay. We were cooking with maybe not grease, just some peanut oil. Now, those are some bad Phil's teams while you were in college. It was the early 2000s. It was not a pretty time. Uh, actually, I graduated in 2000, so. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was a terrible dark Phil's time. Teams. That yeah. was a dark time. The Phillies now. Uh, they they split against the the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're not terrible. They're not terrible. They're they're the opposite of terrible. They're actually well, they're most they're mostly fun to watch. But like that offense, the though. the offense is just it's it's brutal on a night in night out basis. Now they I think they had an okay series this week uh, against the Dodgers. Some nice eh, off that the last should have had three out of four. Yeah, they just that was I was so mad after game one because. I thought it was a nice litmus test into where this team could be in the stretch run here, in a pennant run, and it was like a it was it was a playoff playoff ish atmosphere, and they just completely crapped down their legs. Is there a certain thing as a playoff ish atmosphere in LA? I guess they do draw. They yeah. show up late, but they do draw. It, they've been in the playoffs consistently for the last eight years, so like I just they it's always a playoff ish vibe when the Phillies go out to LA. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm still stuck in the you know what 08, is? There's a lot of Phillies fans in LA, and my favorite thing about 08 and 09 in terms of the NLCS is the fact that it was literally cheaper in 08 to book a flight, get tickets, and go to the game in LA than it was to get tickets in Philadelphia, because that's that how cheap sense. that's how cheap tickets were in LA, as compared to you know 
four or five, sometimes ten times face value here in Philadelphia to get tickets to a playoff game. Yeah. There, you just go out there, tickets are like 25 bucks. Yeah. So just get the get the flight. If you got a friend you can stay with, you're just paying for a flight. Yeah. And then you see Matt Stairs rip one into the night, and it's a great time. Deep into the night. Uh, don't forget about Shane. Of course. See Shane do his thing, of too. Of course. And the year after, they beat up on some bum Kershaw that I'm sure didn't turn out to be anything in the league. He's been better in the playoffs of late. I'm going to give him that. No. Can I give I, him that? Well, he was pretty bad in game five last okay, year. Okay, but I'm saying he wasn't awful every single game. No, no, no. I know. I I, I have been fighting the Peyton Kershaw thing for a while um, just because, like, I want Kershaw to be – I like I like watching the best players of my generation, like, do well in the playoffs. At their, at their peak. You want to see the so, best of the best. Right. So I've gotten frustrated with Kershaw to where it's like I can't even argue about it anymore. Like, he's just a really good regular season pitcher and <sighs> in the postseason. He's just it's, – it's, I'm sorry. I wish I was there, but he's just I – would, I would not – if I had to win one game in the playoffs, he's, like, number th- three or four for me. I don't know. He, I don't know that he would be that high for me. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. And I tell you what, he, he's still hurt. Like, I was watching him tonight, and it was like a laboring five innings. He, he was, in the, he was only in the upper 80s. I don't even know why. Why do they keep putting him out there with his back injuries? Just let him get fully healthy for a, for a stretch run. I don't understand this. I think they're desperate, front office, manager, all the way around. They're a little bit desperate to just stay in the race. And the Dodgers have kind of turned things around nicely of late. But if they want to compete in the NL West and be more than just a wild card team, they're going to have to make a serious push. It's it's dangerous out there out west. Um, well, the Diamondbacks are legit. Yeah, I mean they're 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 a team with AJ Pollock. They were the best team in baseball. He got hurt. Uh, the Rockies have now they've actually overtaken the Diamondbacks. The Rockies are thirty and twenty six. But thirty and twenty six, they probably feel like the West is out there to be had. Yeah, and, and so well, and they they're they're always a win now team. And so like, but I just don't understand. Like he is a guy that you need healthy if you want to do anything. If you want to go back to the World Series, if you want to make a run, and why would you, like why why would you waste him with a back that's clearly not still healthy? I was I was blown away. Maybe they thought it was. I I, I don't have answers for that. All I, all I can tell you is, it's not like the Phillies lit him up. No, well, <laughs> listen, this offense isn't lighting up many teams these days. I mean, I think I think they're in the middle of the pack in the NL in runs, and that's including the twenty run game. They're, they the, the offense is just ugly, Mark. So you think it's an aberration, like what what they've been able to do when you when you look game by game as opposed to just the mean. Yeah. Look more at the median, the mode, and you'll see that it's a it's an offense that that has questions that need to be answered. And now they're missing what was supposed to be their biggest gun, and he wasn't even their biggest gun, but they're supposed to be their biggest gun and Reese Hoskins. And you know, we don't know like how long exactly he'll be out, but it's a Situation where I look at Reese and I'm saying, hey, Hoskins isn't on the field to get back where he needs to be, but hey, at least he's out of the two-hole, so maybe he can be get comfortable in some shape, form, or fashion on his way back. Uh-huh. And both Nick Williams and Aaron Altair get to play. I'm trying to take positives out of it. And I've been, I've been the one just banging the drum on Nick Williams needs to get regular playing time. Oh, I just hate Nick Williams. I can't. Why I, do you hate Nick Williams? I just think he stinks. And like, he stinks. Now see, just think he stinks, now, man. Now, Jack, let me tell you something about people my younger brother and sister's age compared to me. And you're younger than both of them, actually. How old are you? 24. 24, yeah. So, like, we're technically could be considered the same generation, but it's like a yeah. sparse on the outline. My version of Marshall Harris is yeah, in my, my generation. Oh, yes, I know. 
Why is it that you younger people always want to tell me that someone stinks when they're not as good as the good players? There is an average there. There's there's a gray area. Nick Williams falls probably in the gray area. I still don't think we've seen a large enough sample size to be able to say that though. Yeah, it's very uh it's very NBA player wise. Like Yeah, like, people are real quick to do that with like teams too. stinks and with like which he doesn't stink. He's yeah, a good player that helps exactly. teams. Exactly. My pro like the only reason I get so defensive about Nick Williams is cuz like Everyone told me that they wouldn't trade him for Christian Yelich in the offseason. Now I'm not one of those people, right? Like I think I think Nick Williams. I do, I I agree with you. Like I'll I'll take back the whole Nick Williams thing. Think I think he has to play more often than Aaron Altair, and that hurts because I love Aaron Altair, and I think the he, guy that's bad in one ninety, and I think he could be Alex Rio slash Jason Worth if he gets this going. But for some reason, he is killing my brand, and I, I'm not happy about Aaron Altair. I agree with you, though. It, it, at least we'll figure out what Nick Williams is. Is he a great pinch hitter that can come out and, and hit you a big home run late in the game and still be a bad defensive player? Or is he a legit piece moving forward? It, it'll be interesting to figure that out. It, it sucks it happens at the expense of Reese just because, you know, the, the Phillies at their best is is with Reese Hoskins. Whether he's in a huge slump, still in two-hole. Like, I, can't be, I couldn't believe they kept batting him in the two-hole. Like, like, what are you batting? No, with? no, you believed it. You, you knew but who the like, manager was. You knew, you knew the deal. I... My manager, who is all analytically <laughs> forward, is batting a guy with a career average of 130 in the two-hole. Like, how is, like, what? I would love to know the numbers that are saying bat him in the two-hole. I understand, like, oh, we got to have our best two hitters in the two and four spot. But, like, when a guy is as bad as he was in the two-hole, just just shake it up. Just shake it up a little bit. I'm of the, the mind that if you have guys who are in the on-base percentage neighborhood of 400, you just string those guys. If you have more than like, if you have three or more of those guys, just string them together and then put some power behind them. And you're gonna you're gonna run into some runs by accident doing that. And on so, paper, it makes sense. So Cesar, Reese, Oduble, but like you said, once he started struggling and his on base percentage was no longer hovering around 500, <laughs> it's time to make it. You have to be able to make adjustments, just like hitters have to make adjustments, just mm-hmm. like pitchers have to make adjustments when the league starts to figure you out. Managers have to make adjustments with the players in their lineups and put guys in a good position. I, I was one of the guys who said, hey, it'd be okay with me if Oduble, who has been the team's best hitter, hits in that two-hole and just slide everybody up. Carlos Santana, who's having a phenomenal month of May. Yeah. Put him in the three-hole, slide everyone up. And then after Santana, you can go Franco, you can go Nick Williams. Like There's, there's other ways you can be creative with that area of the lineup. And just drop Reese Hoskins, even if it's only to the four hole or the five hole, just back to where he's. We know he's been good, and the pressure isn't on him like off the top. Yep. Like just, just give him a different look. Let him, let him take a breath. Yeah, let him get comfortable. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they can do to really get this offense going. Like I think if you watch this Dodgers series close enough. It felt like they were starting to try to jump on some more pitches. I feel like they were swinging more at first pitches, whereas their whole mentality throughout the entire season has been wait as long as you can, uh, get deep in counts, and then work the pitcher, get him out, get to the bullpen. It felt like they were jumping a little bit earlier in counts, but I I just don't know what they can really do to jumpstart this offense besides just keep throwing them out there and hope they turn it around because on paper, it's a a good offense. On paper, it... it, uh, Well, you're just looking like runs per game? Well, I'm just I'm looking like just talent wise. I mean, if you have Caesar, if you have Caesar, Reese, Adubel, Santana, and whoever in the five hole, Altair, whatever, that should be a, a that's a, that's a they are all are all OBP guys. They all get on base. They all work pitchers. 
that should be a nightmare first inning for a lot of pitchers, and it just hasn't been the case this year. And I don't know how they jumpstart it. You gotta have, you can have guys who get on base and get hits, whatever, but you gotta have the threat of the big bop in your lineup. And um, that's why Nick Williams is here. Well, <laughs> Nick Williams tends to get the job done in RBI situations and or, in pinch hits and pinch hit situations. Reese Hoskins, over under on him for home runs this season. Do you know what it was set at? I, I, I think I was listening that day to you and you and Glenn. Oh, okay. And I think it, I think he set it at what, like thirty five, thirty four and a half. Well, Fangraphs had him at thirty five heading into the season. Okay, thir- whichever of those. No, numbers I know, you- I know, but I, even that I, was like this I, is ridiculous. I'm good with either one. Do you know? Glenn told me that he was going to hit over that number, and I was like, Glenn, I'll, I'll take that bet. I would have given him odds on that bet. Didn't see it. There was just no way that Reese Hoskins wasn't going to get adjusted to by this league, by the pitcher, the great pitchers in the National League. Yeah. Because uh, he really he had a downward like little slump at the end of last year, but – I just didn't see him being able to produce like he did last year. He got really, really hot, and people fell in love because he got so hot. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think he has a greater play to the pro, uh, approach to the plate. I think that he will have an on-base percentage closer to 400 than 350 um, going forward. But that pop isn't going to be as easily surmised as Phillies fans would like to believe. And I had him, like, he'll hit like 25 home runs. So when he said 34 and a half and he's taking over, I, I said, I'll take the under, and I'll, I'll – let me know when we're when and where we are going to dinner at the end of the season. He loves taking people out to dinner for. Bets. Okay, that's fine. Uh, no, and I I agree with you on the pop. The one thing I did not see coming was was him the batting start, average. The batting average and starting to chase pitches out of the zone. Like yeah. Reese Hoskins never, even when he slumped at the end of last year, and I know what you're talking about, he still wasn't chasing sliders that were ten feet out of the zone. That that was just that was not the Reese Hoskins that I had seen. That was not the guy we saw in the minor leagues. He was a great approach guy that even when he was down like Reese Hoskins even to begin this season, when he was down one two, it was like, well he's gonna battle back, it'll be a three two count and like I'm fine when that's happening and you're not hitting. Like if you can if you if you were are are down the count one two, work it back to three two and it's either a hit, a walk or a strikeout, I think that's a positive at bat, even if you get out. But what he was doing was it would be oh two and then the third pitch would be out of the zone and he was swinging at it. That was the Reese Hoskins I was just surprised by. And I thought he was starting to slowly come out of it before the jaw injury. And thank God, like, I know it'll be interesting to see what Nick Williams does, Altera does, these guys. But uh, thank God he's only out for a couple weeks and it's not a month because he's too important to the future of this team if they really want to make a pennant run to be out for a prolonged period of time. But we're talking about him being out for maybe a month. What, What about it being just the worst possible month? Have you seen this schedule? I mean, have you really, like... Combed through the schedule. Yeah, it's bad. Like it's a tough schedule. Everyone's over five hundred. The Dodgers were the last team that they're, that they're playing that was under five hundred, <laughs> and the Dodgers were in the World Series last year. It's insane how tough this schedule is. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's why every game now that goes by that you don't take advantage, and when you blow like a late inning lead, like on Monday, it just it feels like so much more because like all right, you got to make up somewhere. Some you got to assume this. Nola, Arietta, you're gonna win seventy five percent of their Listen, starts. If you keep slandering Nick Pavetta, we're gonna Who? have Nick Pavetta, the number, the the second best start on this roster. Yeah, second best start on the. 
Who are you having him over? You're having him over, Arietta. I've been squatting on that take for a while. <laughs> Listen, I've been squatting all, all what over t- that take. What a time to unveil it. No, no. I, High I, hopes for real. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I had that take, and then Arietta has like a .98 or .90 ERA in May. So he's he's listened to the he's listened to the podcast, and he's now upset at me for having that take, and he's he's taking it back. I respect him for that. But Nick Favetta is a very reliable number three, and I don't I I will not stand. I, I, I'm for not it. arguing that. It's just. The way you said number two, I had to really start juggling things around. Is he better than the Cy Young Award winner? Is he better than the guy that uh, helped the, the Phillies get that split? Uh, and Aaron Nola, I think no, he's, no, no. he's got one game all season where he's given up more than three runs. I mean, Aaron Nola at this point is is rolling out of bed seven innings less than two runs. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Like tonight, tonight he threw he threw a fastball in I think the sixth or seventh inning to get the last K of the inning. That was Greg Maddox. It was a two-seamer. Oh, the two-seamer. Come yeah. on. Jump back on the corner he, of the plate. He is, he is for all the pitching purists out there, he is a treat on a night-in, night-out basis. Cause he's, it's, he's kind of a throwback in a way. He is a throwback because he doesn't have the overwhelming stuff, but now it's 95, 90, like 94 to 96-ish, which just ups his ceiling that much more to go with the changeup that it has developed into a legit – I'm down 2-1 in the count. I'll throw this change up here, and you're going to be either out in front of it or I'm throwing it for a strike to go along with one of the best curveballs in the game. When you can throw any pitch in your repertoire in any count, that's when you become yep. that elite pitcher. And Aaron Nola is elite at this stage. Now, I'm not saying the league won't adjust and you know ups and downs, all that, but I'm saying he's elite as we speak. Through more than the first quarter of a season – Coming up on a third of the season, he's elite. But how, like, how do teams, how do teams adjust to him? Like, I don't, I don't understand. If you can throw three pitches for strikes in any count, if it's three zero, you can throw a changeup curveball. How do you adjust to that? Aaron Nola loves to throw what? At the end of the day, strikes. If you know he's throwing strikes, you're like, I'm getting after it early in this count, and you're looking for something to jump on. And 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 I'm not saying he's gonna fall into the habit of. You know, being a first pitch, like something to hit throw guy. You can't you can't just throw strikes every time first pitch strike because mm-hmm. guys will jump on it. But he's done that in the past, and guys have done it. And you know that's when he gives up the home run or the double. Yep. Uh, it, it, it's always a cat and mouse game with pitching. I mean, Tony Gwynn's not around no. to 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 answer his Greg Maddox, if you will. Yeah. But he's gonna see the Nats some. Yeah. And when you have to go up and down and a lineup like a healthy Nats lineup, we'll we'll see then. I'm not saying he's not going to do well. I'm just saying maybe what we've come to expect in 2018 takes a hit based on seeing the the Nats and the Red Sox and some of these other teams that they're going to see in the stretch. Yep. Uh, I, I just think Nats, Red Sox, Yankees, and Cubs. That that's what I'm saying. I'm like this stretch of the month that we're talking about where. The pressure might get to you as a pitcher just because, you know, if the offense doesn't – how, how often can they win 2-1? to one? Right, and how often can you rely on Velasquez keeping this up? Uh, well, Velasquez isn't the one I'm worried about right now. It's Eflin. It's Eflin. It's Eflin. And, and how much longer do you – like, I'm pretty much done with Eflin just because like, I think – like I was, I was kind of bullish on him a little bit because he was throwing 95 and he was on both sides of the plate. And if you can locate that to go along with the slider, then there might be something there. But like the last two starts, he's back to just leaving it over the middle of the plate and getting rocked. Like, are you are you ready to bring up Eniel De Los Santos? Are you ready to bring up Cole Irvin? 
And Cole Irvin had eight and two thirds. Oh, Clark, Cole Irvin looked phenomenal. And the the, the reports about Aniel De Los Santos. You want to know how much of a baseball nerd I am? I would love to know because I mean, uh, so like you know how okay, so back in the day, you would just like look in the newspaper, you read the box scores. Um, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, Birmingham till I was ten. Huntsville after that. Yeah. And so like you're looking at like the Southern League box scores <laughs> and the line scores. Yeah. Whatever's available that day. Depending like that's how the sports page works. It depends how much is going on. Like early in the summer, you don't get the whole full box scores of all the Southern League teams. But later on you would because, you know, it's summer. Like that that there's nothing else going on. After like the NBA and the NHL ends, yeah. that's all there is. It's baseball. So, like, that was what the back-in-the-day thing. You go and you look at the league leader. He's supposed to, like, top 10 in batting average, top 10 in home runs, RBIs. And then now, we're so technologically advanced, if I see something that jumps out minor league-wise, oh, let me go look at that highlight real quick. And I can literally just watch the highlight and see what is this guy doing that's so effective. And that's the beauty of it. Um, I, I just enjoy finding out about these minor leaguers. Yeah, so do I. And then I'll – you can listen – to like the broadcast, you can listen to people put up videos describing the broadcast. Like, there's, it's just a lot more segmented now. There's a lot more niche to it. If you're really into something, you can find out whether it's something going on in Reading or Lehigh Valley or Lakewood. Oh, short season A, uh, we can we can check that out too. Some crosscutters, the crosscutters actually. The Williamsport crosscutters. Williamsport we are cross-cutters. 15 days away from crosscutter season. Exactly. So can't wait. I'm saying that, that there's a lot more. A lot more room to navigate as a baseball fan if you really want to know what's going on with an organization. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't have known about minor leagues a couple of years ago. And now I just see updates on Twitter. And it's like Cole Irvin had eight and two-thirds of, of shutout ball. Will Stewart is developing into this, like... Will Stewart was a guy that was like a ninth-round pick, I think, in 2014. And he was just bad for the first, first couple of years. Now he's got like a, a one ERA. I don't know. It's exciting. I agree with you. And, and now you can get like legit excited... Like last uh, a couple years ago, when guys were coming up, and like, even like Ryan Howard, you hear these like stories about how he's got 50 plus home runs, and it sounded like a, a myth. And it was like you can't you can't really watch him unless you went to running to watch him. Oh, but then when you hear about the Bash Brothers in Baseball Town, it's different because now you can see what Dylan Cousins and Reese Hoskins are doing on a nightly basis. Yay, Dylan Cousins is here. Oh, you're not you're not a Dylan Cousins guy. I'm not a fan of a guy that can't hit. I, I believe it or not. Dylan Cousins can't hit. The guy had the guy posted Ryan Howard strikeout numbers in like 50 less games in the minor leagues. Like, what is that guy going to be in the major leagues? He's going to be shipped to Texas for the Cole Hamels deal. That's that's what I'm hoping. As a throw-in, basically. Yeah, sure. Yeah, not, guy, definitely not the primary chip. What, what am I supposed to get excited about Dylan Cousins? He's on the 40 man. He's here. He, the only reason he's here is because he was on the 40 man. He's yes. batting like 130 in his last like two weeks. Do you want to talk about Mitch Walding? Uh, yeah, I do want to talk about Mitch Walding because I can't believe the Phillies had the audacity to give him number 29 of a, a, give him the number of a legend in Cam Rupp. I think it's just like embarrassing that they continue to treat their legends and, and, and not and just give away numbers. I just want to make sure we're, we're, we have the same baseline here. What's your definition of a legend? Ah, man, Cam Rupp era. I'm glad the Cam Rupp era is over. I because, know you are. Because we have, we have Jorge Alfaro. I'm sorry. Did, did Jorge have two hits in in the latest uh, Phillies game? When I, what is really cool about Jorge is he's starting to go the opposite way all the time, and I think he's starting to realize just how strong he is. Eloso, he can is, hit balls out of the park going the opposite way with ease and barely swinging. Like he's barely swings and the ball flies off his bat. Just make contact. Field. Yeah, he's like Jorge Alfaro. 
is he the is he a top five most electrifying player on this team? On this team, sure. I'm trying to think. Like Aaron Nola, Arietta, Sir Anthony, Adubel, him. I guess right now he would have to qualify. Um, I can't give it to Kingery because he's batting 213. Although I, I love Kingery in the field, like doing what he can do at any position. Um, he's actually looking like a shortstop. Yeah, that's season. what I'm saying. I, 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 he's exciting to watch. His play in the ninth inning was ridiculous. Uh, he's exciting to watch at the plate. He's hit a little bit better of late. Starting I mean, to bunt more. Yo, the bunts are great. I, I am. A, I'm I miss a, guys who can just lay down a bunt. That's why. I, I, look, president of the Roman Quinn fan club. Please, poor get guy, Roman. If he was healthy, he could be here. He, he could be healthy, here right now. I know it's unfortunate. Now we got to worry about Dylan Cousins being here. We, you don't have to worry about Dylan Cousins. He's not going to get a whole lot of playing time. Super. That's all. That's what I asked for. Well, <laughs> I, I just looking at the stretch and knowing that Reese Hoskins, like, this is the opposite of what they need. They need to like play like old school, big chunk of interleague American League ballpark. Get nine batters out there, including Reese Hoskins. Now you don't have Reese Hoskins. You're still playing a bunch of National League teams. Yeah, where's the offense coming from? I think Jorge Alfaro also could use a little t- nudge up the lineup. That's just my yeah. Personal he opinion. was he was five the other night. Your boy Aaron Altair is batting 190, and I like Aaron Altair, but he's batting 190. You can't be in the two hole well, batting 190. You know why he's up that high though? The OVP is in the 340s. I know. I'm just. I'm telling you why he's up that high. I, you don't have to sigh and get all upset. I'm not. You upset. know why he's up there is because he's batting 340, and the Phillies love Aaron Altair. Like they think he's going to be a star, and I don't. I, I think he's going to be good, and I want him. Do they to be think good. he's going to be a star? I've heard people on the pregame show talk about how they think he's going to be a. So star. let me ask you a question. They throw in their hat in the ring for Bryce Harper. They get Bryce Harper. <laughs> Who, 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 what's your he's, outfield? He's riding the fine for Aaron. Uh, okay, then that's what I'm saying. The, so star is not. If a star, then you, you wouldn't be. Spending. You should be a star. It, I I just think we got to figure out where the offense is coming from, and I like my lineup better than Gabe Kapler's lineup right now. The Marshall Harris official lineup tweets out one once a day. You know I'm gonna start doing that. You should. I, I'm gonna start just every day what my lineup would be. Do you have it off the top of your Gabe head? Kapler. Who they play tomorrow? The, Giants. Yeah, the Giants. Do you know who's pitching? I, I think that's what it's, I need. Uh, Chris Stratton. I don't know. A He's lot a righty with a good curveball, basically, like a, a crappier right, version just, of Ross let's Stripling. Just, let's just let's just figure this out. Cesar leading off. Yeah. Odubel's batting second, by the way. Um, I'm gonna put Carlos Santana third. I'm gonna back him up with Michael Franco. I'm gonna go Franco in the four hole. Yeah. Wow, we're getting wild. Why not? Why not? Let's get crazy. Nick Williams batting fifth, uh, followed by Jorge Alfaro. Check my positions out. What am I missing right now? Kangry. Yeah, Kangry's going to bat uh, eighth. And then Altair seven. Uh, Altair, yeah, that's fine. I would flip flop. I would flip flop Altair and Kangry in your lineup. Where do I have Kangry? I think you had him seven, and then Altair eight. Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. No, you're right. Wait, actually, no, no, no. You had Altair. Seven, seven and, and seven King Green eighth. Yeah, that's I what I want. Fl- I would flip that just so I have an OBP guy at the bottom of my lineup. Are you about to pitch your eighth too? We'll see. We'll see if we get uh, crazy. I mean, maybe maybe pitch who, in the four. Who's hole. pitching for the Phillies? Pavetta. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with my lineup. Okay, it's now, not a bad. Lineup. What's, what's what's Gabe Kapler gonna do tomorrow? Uh, well, listen, I c- what led him to put Florimond in the two hole on game one? 
what, 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 what basis behind? If he has come out and said multiple times that the most important positions, the batting positions in a lineup are two and four, and this guy goes back to the Pete McCannon era and puts and puts Pedro Florimon in the two hole. Like, what kind? Of, who does that? Especially when you come out and say how how important the the two and four positions are. Well, you don't have to worry about Pedro in the two hole for a while. He can't catch a break either. The, the Phillies can't catch a break, man. No, I know. This is a killer series. They had to bring up Dylan Cousins. Pedro Florimon broke his foot. Reese Hoskins has a broken jaw. All right, I, I don't want to go all gloom and doom here because I feel like we've been no, making it We don't even sit down like we're talking about a team that's a game out of first place. In the that's how everyone's talking. Isn't that weird? It's weird. Like The other night, John, John Johnson comes on and says, shouldn't Matt Klintak be getting more heat? And I'm just thinking to myself, this team's two game, they're game. They're almost in first place. Like if the if the playoffs started today, they'd be in the playoffs. They're thirty one. They're thirty one and twenty three. The time we did that show, they were they were twenty nine and twenty two, and we were getting the was Matt Clentock getting not getting enough heat. It's like have we been like did I did I live in some other stratosphere where we've had good baseball for the last six years? I think the thirty seven and thirty six finish in the second half of last season, and the additions of Jake Arrieta. Carlos Santana I, the, 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 and and Carlos Santana. That's that's up the ante in terms of production. Uh, can't tell by the the home figures in attendance, but the ante has been upped. I think for a lot of people, and, and you know what? I think a lot of people have a wait and see approach. I think don't you feel like people are waiting for the rug to get pulled out from underneath them? Yeah, I think if July first comes around and they're a game out of first place, it's going to be a different atmosphere like if the if the offense was raking i think it's a different story like they're just not they're not hitting well so people don't i don't i don't think people think this is sustainable and i don't think i disagree i don't disagree either i think if uh the if if they didn't have the pitching that they had but the the batters were putting up you know guys were actually hitting over 260 yeah then there'd be a lot more excitement for this team uh if two guys hitting over 260 look it's real right now. It's I think bad. Alfaro's over two sixty. I think, I think Cesar's over two sixty. Cesar's Odubel's over two sixty. And then uh Franco is right at around two sixty. Yeah, Franco. So you got like four guys. But but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like the offense is what people come out to see home runs and everything else. And if you can pitch a good game while you're out there, cool. We we can appreciate that too. Yeah. But just pitching and like some timely hitting late. And a lot of K's too. Two to one and three to two. That's not exciting. That's all, that's what the commissioner's working on. He's like, he admits we need more balls in play. Like strikeouts, walks, and all. We can't live this Adam Dunn lifestyle forever. <laughs> Listen, I'm not convinced that Rob Manfred doesn't hate baseball and isn't out to, <laughs> to completely sabotage the league. I I I don't like Rob Manfred at all. The things he says about baseball just piss me off. But that's just me. And I'm a I'm a big defender of baseball all up and down, but like you know you're one of the, you're you know you're in the minority, right? Oh, I'm part a, of the problem. as a person as a person your age. Most people your age do not love baseball. Yeah, uh, people like playing baseball more than watching baseball. If you live in Boston, baseball. New San York. Francisco, baseball. New York, baseball. Chicago, baseball. Other cities, mm, Miami. <laughs> I mean, good example. Obviously not. Uh, okay. Oakland, Tampa Bay. No, I know. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. Why is he trying to expand? 
He's trying to go to Mexico. It's like, why? Money. I know. Television contracts. It makes me mad. Regional sports networks. I get it. I have a little experience in this area. I'm I'm telling you. Somewhat, yeah. This is what it's about. It's about the money you can make off of TV. That's all it's really about. But just to counteract your point, the most participated in a youth sport last year in the whole United States was baseball. That's because everybody lets their kid play baseball like, Good. First, out care. of the gate. Listen, out of the I, gate. Can I, T-ball, can I, baseball. Can you let me have my facts and yes. not just completely crap on them? I'm, I would greatly appreciate it. I no, I. <laughs> you're right. Facts are facts are important. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell you. But but all I'm saying is, if the Phillies want to get the attention that they deserve as a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, the, the hitting has to come around. Yeah. And I I don't know that right now they're equipped to hit. The way they that they need to. Yeah, and it it really does. Like they're thirty one and twenty three. I'm very happy with where they are. I think they should be better, and I'm not sure their record really indicates how they're playing. Okay, but I will say this: the solution, my man, Sir Anthony, yeah, Dominguez. Now, now, are you are you on board with me and Joe Gilio and the I Hope's podcast that his official nickname is the Fireman? No. I call him the solution. No, 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 no. I like the fireman, though. No, no, we, I understand why he's the fireman, okay, like from okay. a baseball terminology standpoint. Right, right. I, but, I but, get but, it. But, but, but factor this in. I want you to factor this in. Put your thinking cap on. His walkout song is Fireman by Lil Wayne. I did not know that. Well, no. I mean, that's what I just officially made it. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's not. It's perfect, isn't it? You know what the song's talking about, right? Yes, but. Uh, fireman coming. I, yeah, I got you, but. And I, then the fire. Sirens go. Come on. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's his role. He is the fireman coming out to fireman. He hasn't. He hasn't allowed to run it. He had a two inning save tonight. I know. Marshall, I was thinking about that. Is he? Is he going to be? Is he? Is he available to pitch Friday night? Marshall, we're thirty three minutes into this podcast and we haven't brought up Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think we should be fired. I I, I just brought it up. What no, I know, mean? but like it took us thirty. It's your minutes. podcast. I'm just a guest. It, it took us thirty three minutes to get to Sir Anthony. It's because like when, when we start, we're negative us, people. What do, what do you want from me? I'm not negative. You're negative. You your negative vibe is. But I'm not. I'm just. Me. I just wish that I. I'm really not negative about the Phillies. He's like, got a zero URA. I can tell you that. I just. I just wish they were better. And I think that's fair. I think that the offense is needs to pick it up for me to feel confident about this team being a legit pennant team. I got you. But meanwhile, Sir Anthony. Meanwhile, Sir Anthony. Sir Anthony is. He is. I don't know how teams are going to hit him because tonight. I don't know if you saw this. He flashed a 90 mile an hour changeup. That if he adds that to 99 with cut to that swipe out slider, I don't understand how anyone's going to make contact with him. He's a zero ERA. Allowed two hits on the air and both were Oz- Ozzie Albies. I'm going to go outside the box with this one. Do you think the organization made the correct decision to make him a reliever as opposed to a starter? I've I've been wondering what he like. Was he bad as a starter? I I don't think he was bad. How did he not get above single A? Well. I think being a reliever helped expedite his arrival to yeah, the Yeah, I mean, he's leagues. said that many times. And I think that's why it's okay by most people's perspectives. And I also think they, they, they view Sixto, Medina, Suarez, Jojo Romero as like the higher upside starters. Whereas they can just they can transition him to a bullpen guy and like let him just be dominant in this role. That's fair. Um, I, I, I lo- look, I, how, who doesn't love Sir Anthony Dominguez? 
Um, he's the he's the most fun guy to watch on the team right now. Yeah, second most fun, but high Nola. Yeah, you think he's more fun than Odubel? Odubel's not hitting well recently. No, he's 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 had a little bit of a slump. But when he when he was going that streak, yeah, I would I would agree he was the most exciting. I'm just here for the bat flips. I'm gonna be honest with you. And he <laughs> we has are pro even, bat flip. For he sure. has been very much less bat flip than in years. He's prior. focused. He's focused. The opening day benching did this. You think so? De- not, not a doubt in my mind. So the opening day benching and the booing of Gabe Kapler at at the home opener is the reason why the Phillies are thirty one and twenty three. The booing of Gabe <laughs> Kapler is it is what it is. But no, seriously, Odubel's not happy about getting benched. No, for sure. He's like, I'm that dude, and you just bench me on opening day. Yeah. Uh Gabe Kapler told us there would be injuries. There have been injuries, and now. Guys are getting playing time that we were wondering how how is this going to work. Uh-huh. We see how it's going to work. Mitch Walding's out here getting starts. Uh, I, I got to say, I didn't know that they would be this hurt this this badly. Like, yeah, JP Crawford will be back shortly. Um, when all, everybody does come back, do you just roll with the hot hands? I guess you do. Uh, yeah, because the- in an offense like this where no one's. No one's done anything to say I deserve to play every day except this, for Odubel Herrera and probably Jorge, Santana. Jorge as the you know everyday catcher, like m- majority of the time yeah, catcher, yeah. and yeah, probably Santana as well. Everybody else, it's kind of you're looking around like, eh. yeah. So I every time I think about the Phillies, I just think about ways to get the offense going. Yeah, and I I don't know what the magic potion is, but whatever. I hope they figure it out. They go out to San Fran uh, starting tomorrow night. Um, they're playing a Giants team who, like, is basically the 2012 Phillies. Like, it's just a bunch of old guys that try to run it back for one last time. Bumgarner's been out. Uh, is he coming back this weekend? No, no. Well, they haven't announced a starter for Sunday versus Arietta. I mean, if Arietta matches up against Bumgarner after he's already matched up against Granky and Scherzer to begin the season, like, it's just... He's, he's being put up against the big matchups. Um, but the Giants are 26 and 30. I mean, like they're going to be a 500 team. It was always a terrible idea what they did this offseason. But I understand they have Posey and, and, and Baumgartner, and they'll run it back with McCutcheon and Longoria. But it was always, it was never going to work. I have a better question. Sure. How do you feel about trading for Madison Baumgartner? See, now this is, this is right in, in the evening show wheelhouse. Um, I I I think there's a a chance they can go out and get Madison Bumgarner, and I would be in. Would you rather have him or Cole, Hamels? Well, I mean, knowing what you have to give up to get each of, each of, each of those guys. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the package would be for a Bumgarner deal because, like, if you're telling, I think the smarter play for the Phillies, rather than trading anything for Machado, whatever, would be to trade actual pieces for Bumgarner and then try to get Machado. Or Harper, like I think that's that's the high upside. Say, hey, player. look, we got these pitchers. We need offense, right? So if you if you go to if you go to like if you're Manny Machado, and the Phillies are offering you 400 to 500 million to either Harper or Machado, and you see a, a rotation of Nola, Arietta, Bumgarner, Pavetta, as your four with Sixto coming up after the next year, and you say and you say Six, Sixto's here in 2020. Not 2019. Or, no, he'll be he'll be he'll be in the pennant race 2019 out of the bullpen. Okay, that's my that's what my Sixto Sanchez is doing. In a David Price kind of role when he was sure. young. Okay, yeah, or uh, like Adam Wainwright. Not closing, but yeah, I think that's a that's a high upside play that would be that would really expedite this process because then you you can throw in into that deal you throw in Hazley. 
You throw in Medina. I still would keep Adam s- Hazley. He's up to 280. Mickey. Uh, Mickey Moniak had back-to-back multi-hit games. Don't slander Mickey. Is that what we're? He's up, he's up to 243. <laughs> Look, I'm not even laughing at Mickey Moniak. I hope he lives up to his potential. It's tough being the number one guy. Yeah, and as a high schooler and facing all these old guys. No, I, I get it. I'm just I'm. He he's had some good games recently. Okay. Um, but anyway, I think I think Hazley is good enough to be in the, not a headline deal, but at least in the deal. I think Cesar is in that deal. I think I think eventually Kingery is going to be your second baseman. You got to put Cesar in a deal, and you want to put him in a, in a deal for a starter. Okay, I I can see all that. So Cesar, Hazley, Medina, and maybe something else. You, and you're comfortable with Cesar going and and Kingery staying at the deadline. Uh, that's a different question. I guess in the off season I feel more well, comfortable Well, isn't that what you're no, talking? I know, I know, I know. We're talking I about, know, I know I'm talking saying. about an end season trade, not not an end of the season trade. I would worry about giving up Cesar. In but you just said. I know what I said. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Look, I'm just trying to follow and make sure we're on the same no, page. I know. Here. I know. I, I know. It's it's good to make sure I stay grounded. Um, probably not during. It's probably an off season move. Because I, I want Cesar to headline the deal, but I also, if they want to have any chance of competing this year, either Kingery's got to get insanely hot and they can feel comfortable moving Cesar, or you can't move Cesar if you want to be in the playoffs. Hmm. Interesting. So that feels like an all-season deal. Trade for Bumgarner and bring in Machado or Harper. Sign me up. You're ready. You're good to go? And then sign Zach Britton so that you have, you have Sir Anthony as a fireman and then Britton as your closer. Let's get wild. Tommy Hunter, you don't, you don't see him. I like there. Tommy Hunter. I know people are going to crap on Tommy Hunter, but I like Tommy Hunter. No, I'm not crapping on him. I'm just like, how does he fit into your... What, what is Tommy Hunter going to be? I don't know. <laughs> That's why I asked. I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the bullpen, and I'm just like... I think, I think the Phillies are on the right track. I just... Like, after a two-inning save, is he available tomorrow? No. No. So, like... I need him to pitch, be able to pitch back-to-back days. Well, you need, so. you need guys you can trust. Like, who can you really trust in the pen right now well, outside of Sir Anthony? So what I'm saying is you can't pitch him two innings every other day or once every three days and, yeah, but it's and impo- take away the, the, the his ability to pitch, like, two days in a row. But it's important to get that split. It is, but it's also important to start the Giants series believing that you got a guy that can come. Is Nick Pavetta going eight innings? Listen. When was the last time Nick Pavetta has gone eight has he ever gone eight innings? Uh, I don't think so. So you understand my point? Yeah, no, but like you have to play to win that. You just have to play to win that game. You can't lose three or four against the Dodgers to start a road series. You're right. No, you're right. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to piecemeal it together going forward. You got to find guys you can trust. Like I mostly trust Adam Morgan. I mostly trust Eddie Ramos. I don't fully trust Luis Garcia. Tommy Hunter's earning some trust back. I didn't hear the words. Uh... Neris or Hector? No, <laughs> I mean, no, no. Like, just no. Oh, okay. I can't. I can't watch him. I just can't watch him. I can't do it. He's he drives me up a wall. He drives me up a wall. I'm sorry. So, top five Phillies on the 25 man right now that you do not trust. Top five. Uh, I guess bottom five. Bottom five guys that I should never trust in my life. Well, I mean, I, I, let me guess. Can I guess? Can I guess your five? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Mitch Walding. <laughs> sure. The second he got here. Dylan Cousins. The second he, he I haven't trusted him since double A. Hector Neris. Yeah. Uh Andrew Knapp. Andrew Knapp. I can't say I can't watch Andrew Knapp. 
and I'm going to go see I'm thinking is it Hunter or is it Eflin I'm going to go Eflin it's Eflin I mean I I like Hunter I think Hunter's still in spring training mode okay so I'll, I'll go do you back. want him to pitch in the minor leagues in spring training mode and get yeah. right before you he'll be fine okay. he's, he's going to be fine he's too, his stuff is too good like frankly it's too good it's it's 96 with cut like he's, he'll figure it out I'm, I'm fairly confident uh, so yeah we'll see we'll see the, with the bullpen but Pavetta Stratton tomorrow Chris Stratton's like a yeah Nothing much. He's basically like a he's a sh- so the Phillies should rake. He's a crappier Ross Stripling. Okay, who, who that could, I can relate to. Uh, Velasquez versus Andrew Suarez. I don't know anything about Andrew Suarez, but uh, Vince Velasquez. Where where are you at with Vince? I'm good with Vince. He's making he's taking steps forward. I agree with you. I think he's taking some nice steps forward. I don't feel like right now the the boat towards Velasquez Island is in a holding pattern. We, we wow, how close is the boat to the island? Well, it's in the middle between Michael Franco Island and Vince Velasquez Island. We oh. left we left Franco Island. I don't trust him. And we're we're making our way. So like right now I'd say we're about we're about a football field away from Velasquez Island. So we're close. We're close. I'm, I'm close. I'm close. But You're right I, offshore, like Right. Watch out for those rocks. We we've dropped anchor though. Like we're we're in a holding pattern. Okay. We're not gonna move any any closer to Velasquez Island. We're sending a delegation We on might land. see how the island's looking. Okay, scouting party. <laughs> well, it's 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 tough because there's there's Velasquez Starter Island, which is is starting. To no, get filled don't up. do this. Don't do this. There's Velasquez. Don't Starter. do this. Don't do this. Then there's Closer Island, which is which is. <laughs> I been said filled, don't do this. Which has been filled for months and years at this point. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in Velasquez. The fastball is still sitting at 96 in the sixth, which I think is huge for him. He is not getting super rattled um, when he gives up some homers. And I've been really impressed by his uh, his spiked curveball. So, uh, holding pattern with Vince. I guess I'm in a holding pattern. But my holding pattern is, hey, I'm looking around. You you have a starting rotation spot. No one's coming for it anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Handle your business. Continue to improve. Get your ERA below four and hold it there. Yeah. And and technically, you should be keeping your team in the game with that. And then we have revenge season, Jake, on Sunday. Um, is that what this is? Revenge season? Yeah. Okay. I call I call it revenge season because he got he got dissed by his former team. They chose you Darvish over him, which is just it's just embarrassing. It's insane, really. It's it like I whether you believe in in team chemistry and locker room stuff, like choosing a guy that you're just overpaying and you're bringing him in to a to a a, a world championship team that Jake Arrieta was a main cog on and meant so much to those guys in that team. It was just a dumb move. And I'll go to my grave thinking it was a dumb move. I think Theo Epstein is a bad free agent signing GM. I, I will say this. If they knew that they could get him for the deal that the Phillies got him for, I, I believe that he'd still be a Cub. Well, they offered him the same thing. It was just a, like after they already offered it to Darvish. So he just was like basically gave him the middle finger. Oh. <laughs> so he, he yeah. gave him the finger. I, I, can see, I can see why that would be the case. Um, But I, I'm very glad he's here. I was getting a little bit concerned with the K rate. But like – if you can get ground balls, and I just need to see that he can strike guys out when he needs it, and his last couple of starts, he, he's done that. He's developed into a stopper, the guy you're paying $75 million for. Look, I'm just happy that the Phillies are, are here, and they're not there. You know, <laughs> What like, does that mean? Well, they're closer to the top of the standings in the NL East than the bottom of the yeah, standings. In the no NL matter East. what we said on this podcast, the Phillies are still 31-23. and 23. But, the, but like, I think we need to hammer that home. Because I know it exists, 
but we don't, I'm not saying we need to harp on it, but we need to like recognize that and establish it and reestablish it from time to time. If they lose 10 in a row, okay, then we're having a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. But okay, they've lost four of their last seven, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like that's not good, but it's like they're not out of it by any means. No. And I think this is just what happens when you're watching a, a good baseball team. It's okay to critique a, a team. And it's it's been a frustrating part of the season is the offense. Hopefully they can get it going a little bit. But for the most part, it's been frustrating on the offensive side of the ball. I'm, I'm, I'm just here for it to see what happens next. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting to have an actually good, competent, mostly competent baseball team. Mostly confident. That's where I'm going to go. You always got to like throw the little margin for error. I'm just worried. I'm a. I'm just. Hopefully, they are an improving baseball team. Hopefully, they're improving. But outside the staff, I don't know what's really improving. Health. We hope that the health improves. Right. Well, well that's gonna do it for this episode of the High Ups Podcast. Forty-eight minutes of the High Ups. Is that podcast. too high? Is that too much? No, I think I think the people need some Marshall Harris in their life. Yo, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Of I course. like to talk about baseball all the time. Baseball is the best part to talk about. Baseball is just. So many subplots. It's every day a new matchup, a new. There's just so many subplots. Where does AT and T Park rank amongst your amongst your favorite? Ooh, that's atmosphere? great. All right, so there's a couple of ballparks I have not been to yet. Uh, Seattle. Uh, I'm trying to think of where else I haven't been. Marlins Park I haven't been to. Uh-huh. I don't think you're missing much. Not missing much, but uh, I think AT and T. Is probably number three. I'm gonna put my top park is PNC. <sighs> Come on, baseball atmospheres. Yeah, it's, it's, they have a good baseball atmosphere when they're good. When they're good, they, like all teams, Such when they're a good. Fraud city. Anyway, okay. uh, I think number two is gonna be Fenway. I like. How are you? How are you gonna put PNC ahead of Wrigley? Like I just don't, I just don't understand. Wrigley is a dump. It's a beautiful dump. You know what? I haven't been there since they finished the renovations. Listen, but when I went, it's a dump. You know what? Else? It's like you know what it reminded me of. Let me tell you what Wrigley. So I went to Wrigley for the first time four years ago. Let me tell you what it reminded me of. What? It reminded me of Shea. It's a hundred. It's like a hundred years old. <laughs> okay. It's gonna remind you. I'm, of I'm just telling you what it. You know what Shea? You know what? Shea, you know what's so bad about Shea? Shea was a concrete slab of concrete well that's very Mets it's, it's very uh it, it fit the Mets it's like on a hot summer day you want to die by the way did you see that that city field was literally on fire the other day yes I did see that <laughs> 15 minutes they had to... a microcosm of the New York Mets yeah they, the Mets are they're bad so you so you have AT&T Park number three behind... I think I think I think I you caught me off guard with this question I it's it's one in the morning I, I I'm, I'm 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 just trying to I know well this is prime time for me this is about when I get off work uh, it's it used to be prime time for me. Get a little older. <laughs> Listen, more, you're over forty now. Your bedtime is four I, hours ago. But no, my bedtime is like now. Um, um, so yeah, off the top of my head though, those would be the part. Oh, you know what? I really love more than AT and T Park, and you're gonna kill me for. This. Everybody always kills me for this. Petco. <laughs> love Petco. Stop. I love Petco. This is getting ridiculous. I love Petco. 
I mean, sure, you can like Petco. I'm listen. I'm gonna dump the rest of this podcast because that was <laughs> like three of the worst, like three of the worst answers I've ever heard. So any you're podcast, censoring me now? Like, Is that what you answers, asked like, my opinion and now you're censoring like, me? What, what even like you, baseball atmospheres, right? Like these. This is the definitive top five, and I can't believe like you give, me, give me your definitive. Definitive top five. Definitive top five. Uh, well, hold on. Well, have you been to all the ballparks? No, I've barely been to any ballparks. Oh. I'm talking about <laughs> why is it definitive? <laughs> what I've watched on TV. No. Yes. You know what? Well, well, well I'm talking you're really like, you know what you're doing right now. You're just millennialing your way through the end of this podcast. I'm not. Listen, AT&T Park is in my top four. My my three favorite bar, four favorite ballparks to watch games in, and atmosphere wise. Fenway, Wrigley, Yankee Stadium, and AT&T Park. Did you ever go to the, the old Yankee Stadium? No. Then just be quiet. Well, why does it be, matter? Because the fall off from old Yankee to new Yankee Stadium is, is real. It's real. I miss the old stadium. You just said you've never been. I don't care. I've watched it on TV. <laughs> That's not the same. It is. Jack. This is ridiculous. You're right. This is ridiculous. Jack, take it from somebody who used to be a sideline reporter for a baseball team, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who's so I've been a lot of places. I, the only ones I haven't been to are like the newer ones and a couple of uh, American League ones. AT and T, Petco, uh, PNC, Fenway, um, old Yankee Stadium was good, but it doesn't exist anymore. Boy, that Petco Camden crowd. Yards, Camden Yards is up there. The Petco crowd really brought you in, wasn't it? Those crazy <laughs> San Diego Padres fans. I guess I went to good games, man, in the, in the, in the middle of summer. Well, what are you doing then? Were you doing them like during the Jake Peavy era? They have, and they have, you know what they have? Wow, you try to really call me old. They have <laughs> really, <laughs> they, have, <laughs> they have really good and diverse food selection at Petco also. The sushi is amazing. I can't believe Petco's even in your top 10. Yo, Petco's lit. <laughs> it's, it's a great time, man. Not even the people in San Diego think Petco's lit. That's not true. That's not true. Petco's amazing. Uh, by the bottom five, like, uh, sorry, top five overrated. Wrigley's right there. Dodger Stadium, right there. N- can you accept that answer? Dodger Stadium being never overrated? Been, I, apparently, since I've never been there, I can't even comment um, on the situation. New Yankee Stadium, overrated. City Field, I don't even know if it's overrated because do people even like City Field? That's, I mean, it was vintage Mets. Uh, and then, yeah, th- those are my overrated places. Like, I'd rather go to a game in Clearwater than go to, like, Wrigley Field. Well, no, that's 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 it. That's it. That's a that's a millennial thing. Well, I, I'm just gonna leave it at that. All right, all right. Well, that's gonna do it for the iOS podcast. It was a we got a little rambling. Let me know end. when you go some places, just not on TV all only. Right. Fine, whatever. Uh, the Phillies are in AT and T ballpark. Uh, this this weekend and the home of some of the great moments of like the last. Seven years of or, uh, ten years of Phillies baseball, because AT and T. I can't I can believe... tell you what it was not a great moment. When they went to the playoffs? No, no, I know, I know. I'm just talking oh. about you know. And this is going to get even more rambly, but like Cliff Lee's first start when he was traded here was against the the Giants. I was there. Nice, you were there for that. Uh, the Eli Whiteside brawl at, in like 2011. Wow. wow, was which, not there for that. Which was some BS, and I hate that guy. I will forever hate that guy. Uh, obviously the playoff stuff, but like the home of some memorable Phillies moments in the last like ten years. And, okay, that's fair. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 I like watching games out there. It's always fun. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with a new high hopes on Sunday. Thanks, Marshall, for joining me.
got a little rambly at the end, but that's Oops, okay. There goes another rubber tree stand. Oh, no, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. we don't do it, but okay, we'll, we'll make we'll make that the My new bad. outro. I, I apologize. We don't have an intro or an outro, but that will be the uh, the the new outro is you singing "High Hopes" with HK. I appreciate it, Jack. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you on Sunday.